Hey, everybody, it's kind of a special edition of No Driving Gloves this week. Saw kind of a, a release yesterday from the yesterday being the 15th of June from McPherson College. And we had had Amanda Gutierrez on a couple of weeks ago. Amanda had talked about a lot of things going on at McPherson and some special events that they had upcoming that she wasn't allowed to discuss at that point in time. So what we've been able to do or what we learned is they have a new program. When Sean was on the show, when we interviewed Amanda, he learned about all these extra offerings McPherson had. They have a new program, online availability, limited availability. So if you hear this and you're really interested, hop on one of the websites that we'll tell you about. We'll link to it from the uh, No Driving Gloves Facebook page. We'll probably put it on Instagram. We might get it actually on the website with a link. If you go to the mcpherson.edu auto restoration page, look for the wheels of change. We're privileged to have um, one of the professors from McPherson College. I never had him. He joined the, the staff long after I uh, left the college. It's been 20 years since I've been there, such a period of time. Professor Ken Yon, he's the person running this program. I don't know if he's the person who created it. It's one of the questions we'll get asked. Hello, Ken. Uh, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Hi, John. Sean's joining us this morning, I should say that. And Derek's calling in. He's got a lot of things going on this morning. This is a special last-minute recording, so he might have to jump. But and Derek is on the line with us. Ken, do you want to kind of quickly give us a one-minute, two-minute bio of who you are? And I have a fairly traditional academic background in a lot of ways. I uh... Uh, I have a master's and a PhD. My PhD is in political science. But one of the things I became interested in and I was teaching was the problem of how technology impacts the world around us. And so when I was studying international relations, for example, how shipping and communications affect trade, about 20 years ago, I saw an opening at McPherson. I was really excited because all the reasons that you were excited by it. And about so 20 years ago is when I arrived and I started teaching courses on technological change and social structures about history of the automobile. I've also spent a lot of time teaching in other places, teaching courses on cyberspace and globalization at the University of Science and Technology in Lille, France, and at the University of Leipzig Telecommunications University. I was a scholar in residence at the University of Science and Technology in France about four years ago. My contribution to a very broad is I try to help the students understand that they're dealing with something that fundamentally shapes every aspect of their lives and everybody's lives. In some ways, my definition of a car nut is someone who actually understands how the automobile impacts them. And someone who's not a car nut just doesn't get it. So are you a technical uh, professor with McPherson or are you more of a, uh, I want to say academia because we... we yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on the academic side. We have a very broad program. And because of the students that we want to place have the, the, the automotive and the vintage automotive and uh, restoration industry is so massive. It includes all kinds of demands for business managers and people who can do marketing and people who understand the literature. And someone who's on the technical side also has tremendous research demands. They need to be able to uh, work comfortably in archives. They need to find the research on provenance. They need to be able to backtrack ownerships and tags and all kinds of research skills. So our students 
have a, a path that takes them through very technical education where, you know, imagine, I, I would say a way, good way to conceive of it is imagine all the skills you wanted. If you were going to take a vintage automobile, take a pile of steel and turn it into a car. So you need upholstery, upholstery skills and woodworking skills and metallurgical skills. We provide all those skills on a technical side. But then if you're a collector or if you're running a museum, it's not simply a technical job. It's, there's much, much more to it. And so we're providing the whole range. Our students are studying philosophy. Our students are studying music. You know, if you consider the role of the automobile in the film industry, for example, there has to be someone who's aware of that and part of that process. And so we have a completely rounded program. One last note is that the reason we have a liberal arts program for this is no matter how successful you are technically in your life, your fundamental happiness is going to be linked to so much more. It's going to be linked to the quality of your family life, your artistic uh, expositions, um, all the different dimensions of what makes a whole person. And so our program is a technical program plus. Yeah, that's one thing I I enjoyed when I was there. And I, you must have come on the year, maybe the year after I left. I'm a 2000 graduate. Oh, same year. So at, when you graduated, I rolled in the following fall. You replaced a couple of the staff members uh, left after the year I graduated. But I always enjoyed, I can't remember the music director, but he was heavily involved in the the program from a peripheral standpoint. We didn't have, you know, music as it related to the cars. He was going to sponsor me in a special curriculum. I designed my own class paper, and he, he was my uh, sponsor on that. I also remember the accounting classes, the business classes, the specialized automotive history classes. It's great to hear that, you know, the courses are even... I want to say more focused from a wider variety on how it impacts the automobile because of my 20 years in this career, and I'm sure Derek will back it up. It is definitely, I actually think even if you are a technical person and all you do is wrench on the cars and take the cars apart, restore them, put them back together, it is a people business. It is always a people business. And the campus really is dramatically more integrated. There were faculty at the time that had a lot of passion for supporting the program. And it's now throughout the, throughout the school. And also the students are far more integrated. When you were there, uh, the rats, the restoration auto technology students, the auto rats tended to be a little more separate from everybody. They ate lunch together more typically and had kind of their own courses, which were separate. And now they're, they're everywhere and they're, they're spread throughout the whole campus and all the faculties, whether it's in the art department or the music department, name a department, sociology, uh, pre-law, everybody's integrated into the restoration because it creates a, a real opportunity to work with crazy, passionate students. And that's like the best thing there is when you're a teacher. I wish I'd have found you guys when I was younger. I really do. Like I, I, what I'm, what I'm getting from all of this is literally every time we have someone from McPherson on, you're going to make me want to go back to school even more. And I don't know whether to say stop it or awesome. <laughs> it's like, man, it just sounds so cool. Like, can I get a double major like philosophy and the automotive program? Students do that. There are double majors in music and auto and everything. Oh, it's so cool. Automotive business restoration. We have all kinds of specialized programs now that are very so cool. Philosophy broadcasting automotive or philosophy automotive broadcasting. I, however, you want to line those up. Let's let's go down that road. I don't want to monopolize this right yet because I know Derek is here and Derek has 
fine a finite window with us. So I'm sure you've got some stuff there. Fire away, brother. You know, I know a number of faculty out there at McPherson. Ken, I, I haven't had the pleasure to meet you yet. I direct people to McPherson all the time. You know, younger kids that want to get involved uh, in antique and classic car world. I also love to see, and I, you know, I interned under graduates from the program when I was at Henry Ford Museum. I went a little bit different route of, you know, becoming a objects conservator and, and automotive curator than going to McPherson because I didn't know about the program much like you, Sean. But as, as I watch the program grow there at McPherson, I, I love that they're adding classes like this and Ken, you know, the fact that you're doing this from the world I come in, you know, where I'm, you know, technical and I work on the cars and I do the conservation on automobiles and museums and have the, you know, history side as well with, you know, the curatorial work. To me, it's so important. It's like, you know, you said earlier, there's so much more to being in the automotive hobby and nothing, not a dig at anyone that is, only wants to be on the technical side of, you know, working on a car and, okay, hey, I got to rebuild this engine and I need to know how to do it. To have the opportunity to have the history, that that historic knowledge of how the automobile develops from, you know, all the way back from the Cugnot steam engine all the way to the present day and understand how technology has progressed and impacted the world plays so much into that. I think it just rounds out you know, the ability of someone in the restoration world or in any of the automotive technical world to be able to work on the cars because you get a greater understanding and passion for why we are where we are today because of everyone that came before. So I want to say that first off because I think it's fantastic that a program like this is being offered. Um, you know, I went to Eastern Michigan University for my history degree. Unfortunately, I took the class like two years after the gentleman retired, and I should have looked his name up. He was an automotive author from Ann Arbor, Michigan, that has written a number of books, and his name is escaping me right now. But unfortunately, the, the professor that kind of took over the class wasn't an automotive historian, uh, struggled to get through the class. It kind of drove me crazy that something like this should have existed at the time where a knowledgeable professor was teaching it talked about these important things. So that's why I wanted to jump on today, especially because, you know, this is something that I'm extremely passionate about, do a number of talks about a lot of the same topics that you're teaching in this class. So I find it fascinating. I think the the history part is actually at McPherson, it's integrated into the technical part, which I think most people don't expect. For example, just the smallest possible example, if you consider a piece of upholstery on a car, the reasons for having that particular upholstery, its materials, its weaves, all have to do with the technology and the environment within which it was created. And so as our students go through the upholstery course, they're also learning the specific historical context of the textiles, and it makes them better uh, capable to spot correct use of textiles and identify how to use textiles in construction. And so the historical aspect actually ramps up their technical game. It augments it and it, you know, it adds depth and an extra dimension, but it actually makes them technically superior. Yes. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. From horsehair to Nomex and beyond. Is that where we're, is that where we're going here? And apply that to everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Applying to lubricants, uh, applying to metallurgy all the way across the board. 
And so history is really integrated all the way through their coursework. Even what looks on the face of it to be a wrench turning class is a, is a history class as well. In modern automo- automobiles, I love cloth interior. And at one point in time, a hundred years ago, cloth was the upgrade from leather. Leather was the necessity. And that's just one of those little bits of automotive trivia that over the years, we've totally, what was once the premium is now considered the base. And what is considered the top of the line now with Alcatar is one of the cheapest products in the world to manufacture, but we charge the most for it in our exotic cars. Derek, was your professor uh, George May, possibly, that you wanted to have at Eastern Michigan? I did a quick Google search, and that's the name. It was, yes. Uh, George May, he, he retired like I think it was like maybe even a year before I took the class and I was just really like disappointed uh, and nothing against the professor that was teaching it. When I took it, it just, you know, I had read George's books. I had, you know, studied a lot of what he had written and I just got there too late. Since I have actually, because you have to pre-register for Ken's upcoming uh, online program, I registered because I didn't want all of a sudden all of our listeners and as this program got out for me to lose my space. Ken, can you go ahead and just give us a brief overview of what this online, I guess, Zoom conducted Wheels of Change course from McPherson College is offering? Uh, We know it's not a credit course or anything. It's just for mainly our knowledge and to improve our knowledge. Like I said, give us just a brief synopsis of the the class, and then I think all three of us might have some questions, and we'll discuss what you're going to cover. Well, one of the things I like to point out is that it's a free class. This was not generated as kind of a profit center project for the college. Uh, This was under the vision of Amanda Gutierrez, who uh, you talked to previously, and she thought that there was some good reasons that we could reach out to a broader public with a broader message of the automobile and engage more people. And so she's the one who uh, floated the idea. And she, um, I think the reason she didn't speak to you about it when, she, or details about it is because it was really a work in process for just about three months now. And we've been looking at different ways of configuring it, number of episodes, would it be behind a paywall, all kinds of things. And eventually uh, we generated 12 different topics that we thought um, helped inform people about the world around them that would provide really interesting historical vignettes, both about the past and present. And then working with her and working through my notes and cracking open more books, we narrowed it down to a field of six topics. And, and we felt these six topics were had some sort of timelessness. Uh, for example, the first one is about road trips. You don't have to be a car not to love a road trip. A road trip is a staple of, of American life, whether it was a kid sitting in the backseat of a station wagon watching the world roll by or, or whether it's an adventure, you know, with your uh, buddies when you're in high school or now. I mean, the road trip is a staple and the road trip, trip is an old staple that we can trace. In, and we want to point to four really exciting, interesting ones that were in the early days of the automobile that really changed everything. And so that's the way we're going to go. So then in each kind of topic, then we have a guest on that will do something like what you're doing now. I hope it's this good, by the way, um, that we're going to have, you know, Kyle Smith from Haggerty's going to be on the first one. I've known Kyle for a number of years, and I know that guy loves the road trip. And, you know, there's some great questions like what what are the quintessential of an ele- elements of a, a road trip that make it great? What are the things you must have to have a great road trip? What are the, the you know, the 
the possible disasters. There's a rule about adventures that it's not really an adventure until it can go seriously wrong. And, and how does that engage people in the world? And so we want to talk about these universal topics that both tell us about how the past developed and what we're doing right now. I was just going to say, unless it's catastrophic, the disasters are part of the fun. That's right. Yeah, it, it totally is. I've, I've been very fortunate to get to drive cross country and back twice. It literally was east to west, west to east. Um, we were in the, the northeast and went all the way across down California and then back both times. Epic. Life-changing. The friends that you meet, the events that you get to attend, and yeah, man, I'm I'm all in. I'm I'm all in. I want to take this. I, yeah, it's just road trips are a like you said. You don't have to be vehicular minded to enjoy it, but it will. No matter what you're using to get coast to coast, whether it's a, a car, a train, a motorcycle, a truck, it doesn't matter. It will change your life. It will alter your scope and perspective of what's going on in this country in a way that you can't really wrap your brain around until you do it. So just go do it. I want to jump in because I I think it's interesting that you say that, Sean. And and Ken, I'm sure this is the way maybe and hopefully that class will go. The fact that, you know, Sean, you just said what you said, which is there's there's those experiences to be had that will be life changing. It's not a lot, it's different, but it's not a lot different from, I mean, you know, I'm looking at the the schedule here, Ken. I mean, you know, essentially the first road trip, you know, Bertha Benz on the Patton Motorwagen, Jackson's trip in the Winton, um, you know, all these trips you're going to talk about, each of them had their own hardships. um, They had their challenges, but they also had an experience that changed their lives that made them see things in a different way. And just because technology has advanced due to a lot of these road trips. Yeah, you're not going to have the hardships of where do I get fuel before my, you know, patent motor wagon because I got to find some, but you're still going to have an experience that is going to change the way you think about things. Even though technology has progressed, taking a road trip, especially a cross-country road trip, you get to experience something. And Again, it's that fact that although times change, there are certain things that don't change. You know, you've got to experience these things to really understand what this country, what this world's about. And it all ties back to the automobile, which is, I think, fantastic. I, w- I want to add something to that about the, the timelessness of what we're studying. And one of the oldest questions in the study of history is, does history repeat itself? And as social historians, we tend to th- answer that with no, that each moment's unique. But that a person, a human being, the person making the decision, the person behind the wheel is creating history every time they go, every time they make a decision. And so while the moments don't repeat themselves, the kind of the human condition, this human spirit appears again and again and again. And so I can look at uh, Alice Ramsey driving across the United States and I can look at my high school trip and I can say that the same things the same human spirit emerged, the same challenges, the same answers, the same adventures. And so for for us, the study of history is about the present by understanding the way that we as human beings performed again and again and again throughout the human experience. The interesting thing here, and I, I love this topic because in my career, I've had the good fortune. I've drive one of the Patton Motorwagen replicas for a museum. 
And I've also driven the Packard. I was able to get the Packard Old Pacific up and running and, and drive it at two old car festivals at, at Henry Ford Museum in Greenfield Village. And to be able to experience two vehicles that have made those historic trips and to understand how they operate, the challenge of driving them and understanding that new technology that was coming about at the time, you know, I will definitely say I. I garnered a greater appreciation for what Bertha uh, Benz did and um, what Tom Fetch did with Old Pacific. And, you know, you can you can kind of extrapolate that to, you know, what Horatio Nelson Jackson did with the Winton and what Alice Ramsey did and, you know, what the Oldsmobile teams did. I mean, it's just incredible to think what those folks had to go through back then uh, to be able to achieve what they achieved. See, that's an interesting perspective, somebody who's actually driven the patent motor wagon. And then you're probably one of the few people on the planet that have ever been able to experience those two exact vehicles. And, and you know, maybe do a, that's amazing how the technology progressed to this one, to this one, and this one. One of the lucky things about being Derek, I guess, there. I'm going through, you know, this summer experience. It's six courses. And, you know, you have these guests, and it really, number one, plug McPherson again, a lot of these guests are McPherson graduates that are big players. Maybe not the McKeel Haggerty's, um, Craig Jackson's of the industry right now, but a lot of them are on the way. Uh, you know, you've got the Tabitha Hammer from Class of 09, director of the Greenwich Concours now. You mentioned Kyle Smith. You know, he's an editor at the Hagerty uh, Drivers Magazine and so on. And then the guys that aren't the McPherson graduates, you've got, I think, Derek's old boss, Bob Casey, and then Donald Osborne, which are two of those A-list players in the automotive, you know, realm, you know, help come in and instruct these classes and donate their time and and give back. Each one of these classes, is it going to be a hour long, two hours? Is it going to be, we're going to shoot for an hour and if it goes two and a half, it goes two and a half? Or um, you know? The plan is to do an hour. The format will be kind of uh, um, modified as we go a little bit, but the general format is that I'm going to start with about 20 minutes or 25 minutes of kind of background information, uh, uh, some concepts, pictures, things like that, that kind of provide an overview of the topic. And then interact with the co-host and then start fielding questions. People will be submitting their questions and comments and we'll have a, a off screen. We'll have a moderator who's screening those and bringing those forward. We hope to get this sort of interaction that we're doing right now. This is our first time to do it. And this is my very first time to do something like this. I'm, you know, I'm really excited about it. I'm a little bit terrified about it. You know, I don't know how it'll turn out, but all, all I know is, we're going to do the prep work. We're going to do the setups. We're finding people who are knowledgeable and interesting. And we know that we have a really great message. And so that's that's just the core of how we committed to it. But we expect it to be an hour. I think it's the same thing that we get all the time. We get all, all of us that are involved with No Driving Gloves, we always get asked, how do we start doing something media-based, you know, vehicular and media-based? whether it be a podcast or a vlog or whatever, and you guys are doing it, just hit record, hit record and go. 
your background will carry you through, you know, and, and you guys are doing that and you, you're going to be just fine. <laughs> it's, it's, Thank you for inviting me because this is my first one right here, right now. Oh, you're going to be just fine. I'm trial, trial by fire. Yeah, you're going to be good. <laughs> right. So one, one question for you, uh, Ken, what, uh, and I don't, and maybe I, I was looking at something else or I don't know, but I didn't hear what time of day are the classes? Oh, good golly. It's one, it's one o'clock in the afternoon on Thursdays. Okay. Yeah. It's one there o'clock on Thursdays. Um, you need to go to the link to register because we want to make sure we're protecting people from zoom bombers. So that's oh yes, yep. one of the important reasons. And but it's free, it's limited. But we're gonna do whatever we can to make sure anybody who wants in gets in. But the technology is limited, obviously. But we're gonna work real hard because uh, we really believe in we believe we believe that understanding the car enhances your life. It's a fundamental part of how every person lives. And the better people understand the automobile, the more integrated their life will be. I'm glad we're able to kind of give you a a small little test here on Zoom and that. And Sean's right. When you're doing something like this, the first thing is be able to press record. I do a lot of podcast consulting. Uh, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, uh, David Pesciuto from the Making It podcast. And I was listening to them yesterday and they gave some of the best advice I ever, I've really ever heard. And it's something I kind of said, but not so blunt. And I got thinking to all the questions that show up on the podcast forums is how do I start podcasting? It's to simply do it. You know, if you think you have all the equipment, you sit down and you do it. And if you find out you needed a mixer or a microphone or a recorder, or you realize really quick what you don't have and you're able to adjust. You can't be afraid of making mistakes. Number one, getting out there and doing it is a, a great thing. And then the quality and content that you have, that in the podcast world we could have a crackly static podcast, but if we had content that people are longing to hear, people will forgive you for that. If you have a bad podcast that people want to listen to and you have horrible equipment and horrible audio quality, you get that's where they're going to point out the flaws. As long as you have a good content, which I think you guys do, I don't think you have to worry about the others. And, and you'll, you'll improve. I guarantee you the sixth show will be a lot better than the first show. And then when we, you know, hopefully you offer this program again for people to take, you know, I would look forward to the future of it. Um, trying to see if there's, you know, you, we've covered, you know, the, the classes, you know, or the, the four road trip. I'll go through them real quick and give us, you know, just a five or six word kind of what we think these are going to be. And, you know, on, on the website, it's paving the way for the automobile and it's the, how the roads are built, the uh, steam omnibuses, bicycles, and the entrepreneurs that created them. That's the substantive topics, but the narrative, the underlying concepts are a little bit more complex. It's essentially that um, the automobile is a, only one cog in an extremely complex system of technology. Uh, take away, for example, just take away oil change facilities. You take away the easy uh, access to lubricants. A simple thing like that changes everything. And so for the automobile to become a part of American society is because there were a series of changes happening in American society that provided uh, a technical set of skills. For example, uh, specialized uh, tube manufacturing processes, road construction processes that evolved from the Minoans. The Minoans had been using car 
since a couple thousand years BC. And so, and so there's this extreme complex system that was in place and there was a set of people with vision. There was a set of entrepreneurs. There was a set of people who believed who was simple faith. There was no, there's no reason to believe the automobile can succeed. It was simply an act of faith. And they creatively applied themselves. People like the Dodge brothers, people like Henry Ford, who creative, creatively applied their dreams to transform the world. And so this episode is, is about the technological systematic substrate and the way that dreams shape our experience. And once again, that is a recurring theme in our lives. We were constantly uh, confronted with the extreme complexity of the technical systems where you know, when one piece breaks down and all, and all of a sudden we don't know what to do with it. And so an awareness of that systematic nature of technology is, is very important for us. And it's important for us to understand that the world is something that we create by the decisions we make. And the automobile is a, the result of a series of crazy dreamers. They were, you know, they were people that were considered, you know, off the charts and, you know, eccentric and, and they made the world that we live in. And so it's about paving. It's about roads and it's about technology, but it, there's a little more subtext to it. I would say we call those eccentrics that help uh, create this world Elon Musk in today's today's world. <laughs> and so they're the people you want to hang out with. They're the fun ones. Yeah, most you've got to get out in front of it. You definitely you, you yeah. need to understand where we came from, but you've got to get way out in front of the curve in order to be one of those people that actually shape the direction that things are going. I'm going to enroll. I'm absolutely going to enroll, man. I, you, you've got me. You, I'm hooked. Now, you've got to be if you're not considered crazy, you're not thinking radically enough. Yeah, totally. One of, one of the theories I've always had, and you know, we we've covered Elon a few times on the podcast. Oh, and cool. I don't I don't idolize him, but I admire a lot of what he does. Yeah, some of the stuff's off the walls, and I've heard some things, and I can't say it on the podcast that you know it could be really interesting in twenty or thirty years. You know, he goes back and goes, I can't believe I said that. But it's so important not to idolize people. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. all broken. Mm-hmm. In- and they're complex. I'm sorry, Derek was going to say something, I think. I didn't mean- oh, no, I was just agreeing. Just agreeing that good to not idolize, but to, you know, just kind of pay attention to, let's put it that way. I'm going to take this off probably off in a little different direction. I apologize. But it's, I always enjoy, especially class like this, where I'm seeing you guys talk about these things and just to listen to as John mentioned earlier, you know, I had a chance. I, I worked with Bob Casey for a number of years up at Henry Ford Museum. But just to talk about, as you called it, you know, the, this system and it's one cog in the system, you know, the automobile. There were so many other things to listen to different people's perspectives as well on the importance of how things developed. And really, I guess one of the things that always bothers me um, in certain, you know, courses, and especially in history, I think I always try to explain to people that, you know, the history you take in high school, don't pay any attention to it. I hated history in high school. I got to college and I fell in love with history. I became a history major because history in college is not about just cramming facts down your throat. It's about learning history and how it applies to today and how today applies to history. It's just a whole different field. And I mean, we're, what we're talking about right now 
hopefully if we, you know, some of our younger listeners are listening, this is really what history is about. It's not about memorizing facts and numbers and dates. It's about learning and about development of whatever it is you're talking about, political development, technological development, any of this, and and how it impacts things. And I'm sorry I took that in a different direction. As I sit here and just listen to you talk, Ken, I mean, it's just appreciate what you're doing. And, you know, that's another big part of what the podcast tries to do is, is get the younger generations to understand that aspects of the automotive field, in, in this case, automotive history, isn't just a bunch of numbers and facts. It's greater than that. Derek, I think you took it in a really great direction because also my experience in high school is that I was left with the impression was that history was a whole bunch of things that dead people did. And what we came to understand in college um, history and studying graduate school is it's actually the narratives and the stories we tell about those. That's what history is. And everybody in some sense is a is a historian because if you think about who you think you are, who you believe you are, you're actually telling stories about the events that happened to you. And you can have two people who go through the exact same circumstances and they come out with very different perceptions of what happened and what it means and how it contributed to their are. So if you want to really understand history, all you have to do is ask how your events shaped your life and then you're becoming a historian. And what what we do in academic history, history then is we look at the stories we tell about um, the Great War, for example, and how it was fought and the stories we tell them about it. And we take a hard look at them and say how those stories are changing around us. A classic example would be like Pearl Harbor. In 1930, if you talk about Pearl Harbor, you thought about beaches and vacations. In 1941, if you thought about Pearl Harbor, you thought about something dramatically different. It had a whole different narrative around it. And then that narrative became redefined in a number of points in, in American history. For example, after the September 11th attacks, the whole narrative of Pearl Harbor was being reexamined. The question of what does it mean to be surprised attacked? What does it mean? How do you learn from it? Do we have a second Pearl Harbor commission, the, the September 11th commission? History is our process of building understanding of, of, from the world based on what dead people did. It's not what the dead people did. And the history will also lead you towards a future path. That's like right. it, it, it can lead you towards a future path. It can lead you to the myriad directions that you can go within a vehicular-based career path as well. Like I, There are so many different directions that you can go in a vehicular-based career path. I mean, we have them on this on this podcast right now. We have restoration experts. We have uh, high-performance driving enthusiasts and, and experts and, and professionals. We have a curator for the National Corvette Museum. We have a professor at McPherson who teaches this history into the future. And we can't go – we don't have the time to go into the number of career paths that you can take a degree that you can get and, or, or, you know, just, I have friends who literally got started when we were in high school, they were changing oil at a Sears automotive center and now they own their own shops. They run their own race teams and they, there's so many different ways to get there. I don't have a degree, but I've, I've owned two software companies that built motorsport simulation and engineering tools on the software side. And now we build simulators and it's crazy. It's I got to give you another plug for what we do, Sean. We teach technological forecasting in our technology and society. In our so when you finish going backwards, we demand that students look forward. You need to tell us, given the history is like an arrow. It's coming from one way and it's flying. You look at where it came and you look at where it's going. And you should know something. If you know something about history, you should know something about the future. 
And so we need them to project and they need to talk about the automobile five years from now, 10 years from now, 25 years from now, how the technical changes are happening and more importantly, how that's going to impact the way we live. What's the future of the driver? Do you offer a vehicular philosophy major? Because if you do, I'm in. We teach. (laughs) I will jump into that right now. We teach a class on technology and social change that is essentially a philosophy of civilization. It's epic. Epic. Oh, my God. Do you offer that remote? Can I get, can I get into that online? Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid it's face to face. A parts of it will probably be remote. That's amazing. It's coming autumn as we're totally doing. amazing. I'm going to jump back. Uh, July 9th, your class is there. There be giants in the uh, them thar hills, and you talk about Henry Ford and Billy Durant and the mega corporations, and those are topics uh, we covered quite extensively. I want to say on some of the earlier episodes, even of No Driving Gloves. Uh, did Ford need Ford and did Ford company actually need Henry Ford on episode 67 and untold history of cars on our episode 54 and episode 37, Derek and I really went into the history of the car. That's supposed to be three parts. We've done part one and part two. We've never got to part three, which is post-war, but that history of the car is really, I think we went back and talked to Vinci to about 1920. And it's just all encompassing of, you know, where really, you know, I could see that class going. And uh, well, that, that, again, you, you have amazing individuals who just grabbed history by the horn, so to speak, and transformed the world. But they transformed the world the way our commercial lives were because of the structures and corporate uh, corporations, ownership patterns, uh, stock patterns, the modern holding company. And so, you know, many of the things that are in our common discussion about challenges to the world include the role of corporate power and the ills of abuse, as well as the contributions to uh, global change and climate consequences. And all these actually are built out of the American automobile industry. And the one on July 16th, the road to perdition, how the automobile liberated women and captivated teenagers. We talk a lot on the show now about how our kids involved in the car, you know, because that, that captivation has kind of slipped and maybe we need to be reminded of that, how the automobile got the women out of the house and uh, socializing and getting a, away to town and things that the husbands used to always do, you know, on their horses or wagons and just made life a lot easier for them and you you know you've got two fabulous guests on there where one's a high school student and one is a, a Tabitha Hammer that I mentioned earlier is a 09 graduate so you have somebody's in high school somebody's in her 30s and you know hosted by you know you so it's three different generations that are going to be able to really look at how those changes occurred and you know, basically the war, you know, the war effort affected automobiles and industrial pacifism, uh, mobilization and uh, mechanization. And we almost we touched on that just a couple of months ago with, unfortunately, the covid crisis and how some of the factories quickly retooled and revamped. Uh, we talked about that on a couple of even our episodes to step up and how the automotive industry has become a major player in significant historical events that are not car related. And then the final one, you know, talking about Harley Earl and automotive styling. And, you know, we went from, it looks like this, it looks like this, to it looks like this. Oh, we all changed to this, to this, to all of a sudden being styling. And I really want to hear that because as you just said, looking to the future, 
now that all cars are designed in a computer and aerodynamics, and since everything's going electric, even electric, uh, or, you know, we'll say everything's going electric, whether it's CNG or we get back to fuel or there's something out there we haven't discovered yet, aerodynamics is always going to come into play because it makes whatever propulsion you have go longer. And now everything seems to be the same thing. It's hard to tell. I mean, there's three or four SUVs out there now that I can't tell the difference if it's a Hyundai, if it's a, it's a Hyundai, it's a Chevrolet, or if it's a Mercedes. That's going to be an interesting one to hear. And I think Donald Osborne's a very interesting pick to have as your guest speaker on that one, being from the valuation industry and somebody who kind of really pays attention to you know, styles and how they affect values. I just, I, I really, that's one of probably the ones I really want to see and hear and get his take on it and figure out everything. So I think the six classes you have are very broad. I hope my schedule cooperates with me to attend all six classes. Um, I really hate to miss one. And I'm going to say, if you register, we don't want to know what you're going to do, what happens if you don't register. But if you do register for these classes, will there be an opportunity to view them if you happen uh, at a later time, if you miss it? or It's our intention to record them and, you know, see, I'm also, see, I'm also hoping that um, I can use this content in my teaching. This is my first, my first um, obligation, fiduciary responsibility is to my students. They're the ones I care about the most. And so for me, this is an opportunity to do extra research, to learn a lot. I'm studying uh, a lot to try and, you know, make these presentations the very best I can. And my students in the classroom and personal benefit. And I hope that these presentations will be part of their education as well, hearing these different voices. And by the way, Bob Casey, Derek, I'm jealous that you've worked with Bob Casey because um, he is one of my deities in the automobile world, um, as well as Donna Osborne is amazing and so this is just, I'm just giddy, giddy with, with joy to be part of this. Bob was a great, you know, I work in the conservation department at Henry Ford Museum back when Bob was there. I, you know, I worked under a gentleman named Malcolm Collum. Bob was obviously being the curator uh, of the transportation collections and myself and Malcolm taking care of the, you know, conservation end of the transportation collection. You know, I, I work closely with Bob on almost a daily basis and, uh, you know, look to him as a mentor in the curatorial world. I mean, I still talk to Bob on frequent occasion. I just actually ran into him down at Amelia Island at the Concord and had a great conversation with him there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, he is a, a, a wealth of knowledge. And uh, as I say, you know, someone who I've always looked to as a mentor in this field and, and doing what I do. So um, hopefully you'll tell Bob hello for me when he's there. And hopefully I'll be watching on uh, the computer screen. I was going to say, as you said, you're you're hoping to learn from this. You're, you know, you're doing additional research, and it's something that crossed my mind earlier. It's something that crossed my mind yesterday when I saw it. The only time that I've even questioned my thinking on this uh, is that you said you guys started looking at this program about three months ago, which puts us mid-March. Is there some portion of this program that, as bad as I want to say the coronavirus and COVID is, that you guys have looked at it as, hey, this is an opportunity to improve our online learning knowledge and be able, if something like this continues, or if we can't resume all classes, or will it be able to take us in a slightly different way and maybe offer some 
classes for those that want to experience or learn niche things. I mean, to really help help the uh, college. So I'm saying, is this a good thing that maybe COVID-19 created in that I might be able to attend some McPherson classes again, even though I'm in Alabama? It's going to help you guys develop and be prepared more for online learning because this in itself is looking to the future. Well, I, in my conversation with my uh, faculty colleagues, one of the things I've heard them express a number of times is the transition to online. We finished last semester online, that the transition of online was a huge challenge, but at the same time, they learned some things about teaching itself from working online. And so if we translate you know, back completely into a face-to-face uh, format, our teaching will be informed by that and improve. Um, we're all working to acquire skills. I've been working hard to figure out how this interaction process works and how to ramp up my skills to serve my students. So yeah, there's good things that come out of COVID. Um, I, I can tell you also one thing, you know, um, I, I mentioned that we had a draft of a whole number of possible topics and I started to lay out the sketch for an episode about COVID in the automobile. And that's still something I'm con- contemplating. I'm still kind of working through the structure of that, the theoretical pieces, what kind of data you use to, to, to understand it. And so I hope that'll be part of my teaching in the future. It's not quite ready for prime time. I don't think you can teach it now um, because it's at least as history because because every day we wake up and something's changed when it comes to to COVID and how it's affecting the world. And it's going to be an interesting thing to look back on and see how it affects the world. I'm developing another business-related podcast, and it's been delayed because of COVID, because I didn't want all the business topics being COVID. But I know going once once it starts and once it gets released, for a long period of time, that's going to be a topic. Um, it's it's as impactful as many of the wars we've been in, et cetera, to, to let us know. Let me offer you a different perspective on that. Um, we, for example, uh, at, at our school, we've been teaching a course on the history of disease for a number of years that uh, teaches about how malaria impacts the world, how HIV impacts the world, how the, ni- the 1918 flu pandemic is a staple within our curriculum. And so that was one of the first places we looked, you know, to understand the economic consequences of COVID, we turned to the Great Depression. And so if history can't speak to what you are going through, if you think you have to like sort out the world around you first and then turn to history to understand it, you're doing it backwards. The whole point of what we might contribute with a discussion of automobile and COVID is exactly because we haven't sorted it out, exactly because we don't know where it's going. And the fundamental lesson is that we're working in this like vortex of ignorance where it's in constant flux. Welcome to life. Your whole life is like that. And so there's there's some really profound things that we can say about the automobile and COVID already, about things that's impacted. We can't know where it's going to end up. We don't know how it plays out in the long story, but we can certainly tell some stories or have some understanding about what's happening in our experience now. And we can make some informed speculation about which direction it's heading. So, yeah, speculation on the on whatever the new normal will be after after this is it's important. It's incredibly important. And And we can fall back on the online learning portion that John was talking about and the fact that you guys are bringing these courses online over the summer. And how that could possibly roll into more more online learning in the automotive programs that McPherson offers, that also rolls back into the just press record. 
you know you have the faculty, you know you have the knowledge, you know how to get that knowledge out there to the masses, literally the, the digital component and the global learning ramifications of having McPherson online for these things, just press record. I just re- press record it and I guarantee you people will come. And I'm not saying don't have a game plan, have a game plan, but you know, you're going to have to fall back and punt. We're doing that right now. Um, it's, it's literally, you know, I, I can't help but think that there are a lot of people out there like me who until Amanda's time on their driving gloves, I didn't know what McPherson had to offer. There are a lot of people out there globally that, if they heard or when they hear about what you guys are doing out in Kansas, half my family's in Kansas, by the way. So that's another reason for me to come out there. I have a guest. Oh, cool. Cool. If that's an invite, I'll hop in the car right now. (laughs) Um, It's yeah. It's, it's, you know, once, once the word is, is, is really out there online, Ken, I think you guys have the ability to do some absolutely amazing things. Actually, I know you guys do. I've seen the power of, social media and the engagement that it can create um, reaches one thing. Engagement is everything. And actually being able to create that community that engages with the content. You guys have the content. There's, there's no doubt about that. You have the content. I just, I'm so excited, man. I'm so excited. And I really appreciate your time. I know we're pushing up against an hour. I know everybody's busy. Um, I, I'm not I don't going anywhere. <laughs> I feel like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gushing right now, basically, but it's, it's cool, man. It's really cool to see what you guys are doing. And I'm very excited about the program and I can't wait to dig into it. Derek, did you have anything else? Cause I am going to wrap up the show for the wheels of change program and that with Ken, but did you have any further questions or? Insights? No, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. Um, I'm probably going to be pre-registering for this uh, yet today. I, I look forward to it. Yeah. I mean, this is this is exciting, and yeah, I know you know these guys have mentioned probably picked up a little bit of my history. Ken, you know, I, I you know I'm currently the curator, director of collections and curator at the uh, National Corvette Museum. You know, I my passion for the automobile and and the history of the automobile go all the way to the beginnings, early cars. I mean everything. I mean so this is fascinating. I love the fact that the last class is, is going to talk about Harley Earl and, and his impact on automotive styling and all that. So it's a big thing we talk about here, obviously, with the Corvette Museum is Harley Earl, his life and, and the impact he had by being one of the main players and bringing the Corvette uh, into the automotive world here in the U.S. I'm fascinated and I, I hopefully uh, will get more chances to talk to you in the future because I think this is awesome what you guys are doing. Thanks for the kind words, Derek. I got to tell you, I've, I've been... A longtime fan of your collection and after the disaster in the sinkhole some years ago i thought your choice to preserve some of the automobiles as the concept how they were affected by it was an inspired historical choice so i thought that was really remarkable it's great to meet you oh thank you thank you yeah likewise as i say so and and hopefully like i say i'll uh, i'll reach out i'm sure john can give me your contact info or it's probably on the website i'll uh, be in touch and I'll quickly say, because Derek's a modest guy, even though Derek was not employed at the Corvette Museum at the time, my understanding is he was one of the consultants that helped decide how to preserve the the collection or the Corvette Museum moving forward it was such a good decision that, you know, I don't know anybody who disagrees with the way they've embraced 
excuse me, but a tragedy for the museum as part of its history, because it is history. I think it was a wonderful decision and probably might have been one of those good reference lines when he sent a resume to them. But that's that's just me touting Derek's horn for him. But I'm going to say, you know, like I said, I'm already registered for the program. I'm sure the two co-hosts will, because part of No Driving Gloves, is we also know it's always a ongoing learning experience and the more knowledge we have the better the show we can bring to the listener our listeners and listeners out there if you want to check out this program like i said we'll have links on our social media facebook and instagram we will have i'll try to get one up on our website this program begins on what is it thursday the i'm drawing like thursday the 25th yep Yes. So you don't have a lot of time to register. The shows hopefully will will get out sometime on the 17th. We're recording it on the 16th. So hopefully you're listening there. But go to mcpherson.edu forward slash auto restoration about a quarter of the way down the page. You will see the big wheels of change. Uh, picture of Ken. If you're watching our um, video feeds, it's the picture that's behind me in my backdrop. I'll be honest. Ken doesn't look anything like you would expect. Uh, a professor to look like, at least in my definition of professors. But and he's the I, kind I of professor. I would like to say ep- epic beard, sir. Epic beard. Oh, thank you. thank you. He's definitely the professor you want to have. But again, mcpherson.edu uh, forward slash auto restoration. All the information's there. Go ahead and get registered. You know, you can find anything about No Driving Gloves on nodrivinggloves.com, social media, etc. With that, I'm going to go ahead and say, you know, thank you, Ken, for coming on last minute. I know we were putting this together about 12 hours ago, so I'm glad we were able to react, get this out. Thank you for, putting again, putting the program together. Just to give folks an idea of how easy it is to register in the time it just took John to sum things up, I went to the website, clicked all the courses, typed in my information, and clicked register. It's very easy, very simple. Do it. Yeah, but John takes a long time to wrap things up. I, no, that was quick. That, for John, that was quick. You have to you have to agree to that, Derek. That was fast. I do. I do. I do. We'll let Derek talk about his love of the ice capades here and go ahead and end the show for the day. Oh, yeah. There's no Zamboni class in this. What's up with that? We need a history of Zamboni. Maybe next time around. <laughs> and there's... Ken's, Ken's, like, leans, Ken leans forward to <laughs> Ken's, the Ken's epically confused. <laughs> uh, no, I think you have a really good idea, actually. I mean, oh dear God, don't, don't encourage him. And don't encourage him. <laughs> the automobile—it's no. sports history. I mean, you study the automobile as a sport in and of itself, but how it contributes to others. Fashion. There we go. I like how the automobile smooths ice. Dot com. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that, Are we done that's, yet? Yeah, that, that's it for this show. <laughs> Uh, Thank you, everybody, and we'll be talking to you later.